everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and thank you so much for joining us. And this is now week two of a series we're doing called Finding the Balance. We're just kind of looking at some of these moral issues, theological issues, where too often we pick extremes, and by picking and focusing too much on one extreme, we end up kind of in a bad place, again, just either personally or with some messed up theology, which then, again, that, that leads to problems. And helping us just try to reconcile maybe some difficult theological concepts that like can be can be hard to wrestle with. Like not this week, but next time we're going to talk about you know do we have what, what does the Bible say about free will and predestination? And most people are very either or about that, but it's not it's not either or. I mean, the Bible has some very some very strong things to say um, that really point to both. And is there a way to kind of bring those two things together? Last time we talked about. Jesus and this idea of him being full of grace and truth. And what does that mean? What does it mean for him to be full of grace and truth? To be someone who can be really, really kind, but can also be someone who will tell you the truth. And very often in our interactions with people or the way that we think about God, we think of God as just kind of all truth and very little kindness. Or we think of God as all kindness and not not really you know, telling us the truth about who we are. We just think of him as just kind of kind and gracious, warm and fuzzy, but he's really both. And the same way we need to be, we need to be people who um, are kind and gracious people, but we'll also tell the people in our lives the truth about how maybe the, how they're hurting us or how they're hurting themselves. And we also need to be full of grace and truth. And again, that was kind of an interesting one to start on, not as particularly controversial. It was just something that just kind of is like, shows that even just very explicitly in Scripture, kind of pointing to this balance between two very often conflicting ideals. So today, we will now talk about what I think historically has been one of the most significant or controversial ideas, which is trying to help us understand what is the relationship between um, being saved by our faith through grace, not based on our works, and what works role? What role does works play in my spiritual life? We'll, we'll answer this question: Does God require me to do good works? Does God expect me to do good works? Is it necessary for me to do good works? Because understanding the balance there between what does it mean to be accepted and loved by God freely, and understanding the expectations that God has for me to do things in my life is a really difficult, complicated balance. And so then what what people tend to do is, again, to fall in one of two extreme camps. One is there's God just only, he loves you unconditionally. He is free. It doesn't, and and basically you kind of get to the point where it's like, it does not matter what you do. It does not matter what you do. You do whatever you want to do. Or you come to the point where it's like, no, man, Bible has all these commands. And if you want to please God, you better do them. And if you focus exclusively on one of those two things, you're going to get wrong quick. If you focus too much on it does not matter what you do, you're going to, you're, you're going to have not overcome any of the sin in your life and still be destroying yourself the way that you were before you found Christ. And if you hyper-focus on what it is that God expects or wants from me and you lose sight of that our, the love of God is, is free, um, then you're, you're going to lose touch. Of, of really what it means to have a real relationship with God. And you're going to miss out on experiencing what the love of God is and just really being able to rest and appreciate the love that 
God has given us through Jesus Christ. So we're going to get theological here, and we're going to look at a couple of Bible passages. One is in Ephesians uh, 2, 8 through 10, and where it's kind of the definitive passage where we talk about that our salvation with God is not based on our works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in this theological passage here, that's what Paul is saying, is that your salvation, you being reconciled to God, you were experiencing a punishment for your sin, you were separated from God, you need to be reconciled, you need to be justified, you need to be made right, you need to be forgiven, you need to be saved. You Pick your phraseology, that this is exclusively by grace. It is by grace. It is an unearned gift that you have been saved through faith. So it, it is... My only action here is to trust. I trust that God will give me this kind gift. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Once you start talking about gifts, you're talking about something that is freely given, not based on what you earn. So Paul is saying this three or four different ways. It's by grace you've been saved. It's not from yourselves. It is a gift. Verse nine, not by works so that no one can boast. Basically, there is not anyone who is in a good relationship with God that can say, I, it is because of something that I have done. No one is able to brag about their standing with God because it is not based on anything that anyone ever did. There is no difference works-wise as far as the people who have received Christ and those who have not. It is not, a, it is not based on relative goodness. It is not based on how many good things you've done, how many bad things you've avoided, how many good, how, what, what your works are. It is not based on any of that. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we get a hint here of this balance here. Your works are not what saved you at all. You cannot do a work to earn God's favor. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. You can't do work to earn God's favor. You, in fact, are the result of God's work. God did the work. God created you. That was God's work. God saved you. That's his work. He sent Jesus. That's his work. Jesus died on the cross. That's his work. All the work that was done, he did, including you. Everything about you is a result of God's work. Who you are, what you did, who, who your creation and your salvation, all his work. You are his work created to do good works. So you are a work and you have a purpose. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So your purpose. Your purpose in your salvation, in your new creation, your purpose now is to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, But even in that, God says God prepared them in advance for us. He prepared them in advance. So this is something that he does. So he did the work by creating you. He did the work in saving you. You are his work, but you were created to do good works, but good works that he's kind of already laid out for you. So even in those works, God is still doing work. And so how do we put these two ideas together? How do we put this idea? I am saved not based on any works, but I am called to do works. If I am called to do works, was I saved so that I could do these works? Well, yes, you were saved in part so you could do these works. Well, does that mean that I have to do these works in order to really be saved? And so people can kind of get themselves all twisted out of shape. And then you add to that what I would say 
is a fairly confusing passage from James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no works? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You take either of these passages in isolation, and they're going to lead you to one conclusion or the other. If you, just, if you spend all of your time in Ephesians 2, 8, and 10, you'll think, well, there, there really aren't any expectations of me at all. And in fact, there's plenty of other passages in Romans where Paul talks about this, that we are completely free. He talks about it in Galatians. You're absolutely free. You are free. You're free in... Um, you, you, you don't, you're not required to follow the rules of the law anymore. You're, you're completely free. God set you free so you could be free. And he says, well, you don't, you don't use your freedom to, to just do whatever you want, but you have to use your freedom to love and serve other people. You read this passage in James chapter 2, and there's not going to be one moment here in James chapter 2 where you would come to the conclusion that God has set us free, but that there is a high standard of works that is expected from us. And so how do we put these two ideas together? And again, I think the passage that we've looked at in Ephesians 2 already starts to put these two things together. The salvation, the salvation is absolutely free. It is not something that you have to pay for in advance and is not something that you pay for in the future. It is not something that you're ever going to be brag, brag about. God saved me because of the good things I did. Well, now, because based on all these good things I've done now since he saved me, that's why he saved me. It's based on the good things that I do. It is never based on the good things that you do because no one is, can boast. It is a gift. You don't pay for a gift in advance and you do not pay for a gift after it is received. A gift is a gift and a gift is free. But Ephesians 2, you were created, you were saved in part to do good works. He took you off the path of destruction and put you on a different path of good works that he prepared for you to walk in. You were on a destructive path and God moved you to a different path so that then you could walk on this different path of good works that he has called you to do. And so the question that we very often ask is around the words, are these works required of me? Or we'll say it in a more simple way, do I have to do them? And when we start talking about what you have to do, the question is, or, or what, right? I have to do it, and if I don't, what? 
And most of the time when we ask that, we're saying, if I don't do them, will I lose something that God has given me? And I believe that the Bible is very clear that you will not lose a gift based on what you have done, which gets us to what James is saying in James chapter 2. And now we're going to get a little word nerdy, kind of a little precise about our words, because what we're talking about here is justification. And justification is a word that Paul uses all the time. Hey, we're justified by faith. We're saved by faith. Same basic ideas. Just saved has the idea of rescued from a bad thing. Justified, again, which is something that Paul says all the time. We've been justified by our faith. It says it in Romans. Having that, Romans 8, 1, having now been justified by faith, da, 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 right? And so justified has the idea of justified, justify, just, which is a legal term, right? It, it is connected to the word righteous. Righteous, right, you know, just, right. Am I in good standing with the court or not? Am I right? And so to justify something is to make something right. If you think about this word, we use it in other contexts. You, you um, hey, you did something wrong. No, I didn't, blah, 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 blah. And then you say, oh, you're just trying to justify yourself. Well, just, you know, we use that as an insult, but that is what it is. You think I did something wrong and I'm trying to convince you that something that you think is wrong was actually right. Now, justifying yourself is bad when you are taking something that is actually wrong and trying to make something that is actually wrong and making it right. I'm trying to explain to you that you've misunderstood something and that is, in fact, I didn't do anything wrong is a good type of justification. Anyways, in a spiritual sense, our sin has made us wrong. We are on the wrong side of the law. We are now long lawbreakers. We are wrong in our relationship with God. To justify is to be made right. Now I am in right standing with God. So then I can say that I am righteous. I am now not a lawbreaker, which is why, again, just, we've talked about this before. Salvation is not about being good enough. I'm more good than bad. I'm 80% good. I'm 90% good. It's not good or bad. It's right or unright. It's right or wrong. It's lawbreaker or not lawbreaker. And there are no amount of good things that you can do to keep you from being a lawbreaker. If I break the law, doing two good things later doesn't mean I didn't break the law. To be righteous means I have not broken the law. So there's no amount of good that you can do to make it where you haven't broken the law. The only way to be made righteous is for what to take what Jesus, Jesus' righteousness is given to you. He makes you right. He, he changes your status by what he did on the cross. Okay, so make sure we understand this. Justify, I'm being made right. I'm in right standing now with God. And faith, I'm saved by faith. Faith has the idea there of trust. I trust that what Jesus did for me will save me, okay? So now we've got two, we got definition for justify, made right, and faith, I trust in God's provision for me. Now, James is gonna use these same words, but it is okay both in the Bible and not in the Bible, for words to have different meanings or at a minimum different connotations depending on the context and how they're being used. So let's go back and we will start with the idea of faith. If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can that faith save them? You know, faith by itself, verse 17, if not accompanied by work, action or works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, 
and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. So James is making it very clear what he means by the word faith here. He is not talking about faith in the sense of trust that God's work on the cross will save me. That's not what he means by faith here. This example that he uses where he says, you believe God is one, great. Demons believe that. He is using the word faith here to say theological belief system, a belief system. You have faith. You have certain theological beliefs, which is another definition of the word faith. Paul is using faith more in the trust sense. James is using it here in the belief sense. You say you have faith. You believe in God. Great. You believe in only one God. Great. You may know who Jesus is. Great. The demons all know those things too. What you know will not save you. And that does not say anything different than what Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 does. It is not based on what you know. It is a trust in what God has done. Okay, so the faith that James is talking about that cannot save you, I would agree with, and I think you would too. Believing certain things to be true is not the same thing as putting my trust for my salvation in the person and the works of Jesus Christ. It's two different, two different uses of the word faith. Trust in Jesus Christ, faith, yes. Belief system, that is not, that is not a faith that saves you. Okay, so we've resolved one thing, but now, but he still says, and so in order to have real faith, that real faith has to have works. It is, and and so we keep going, verse 20. You want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was, ding, 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 make sure we're listening, His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so what James is saying, and he's acknowledging this from the referencing this story in Genesis, says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It is his belief, his trust in God. His trust in God is what, made him righteous. The verse that he referenced here makes that very, very clear. Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteous. His his trust in God was what made him righteous, which is the same for us. It is our trust in God that made him righteous. His work that he did by being willing to sacrifice Isaac, he says right here, how does he say it? This was, he was not, he was considered righteous for what he did. They were working together. His faith was made complete. Scripture was fulfilled. And so he's using a different connotation of the word justify here and righteous. Like justify, because so we'll, just, we'll just keep going. Uh, uh, you see a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And so the NIV does a little trick here, which is uh, helpful for my theological point, but let's just go to kind of really what this says. In verse 24, it would say, you see that a person is justified by what they do and not by faith alone. So he uses that word justify. 
which you, Charlie, have already said means to make right. You were wrong and now you are made right. But there is a different connotation of that that I think is highly implied here in all the things that he's saying. Fulfilled, made complete, considered, right? Uh, you see what a, that a person is justified by what they do and not by faith alone. So when you talk about a scripture being fulfilled, when you talk about him being made complete, so justify to, to be made right. But you can also say justify is shown to be right. So Abraham was made right by his faith and then was justified, again, in a different context, by his works. He was made right by faith and was shown that his faith was right by his actions. So he was justified by his faith. His faith was justified by his works. He was made right by what his trust in God. His faith is shown to be right, is justified by what he does. So how can I show you that my faith, my trust in God is genuine? My trust in God my, is what makes me right, is what justifies me, gets me in a right standing with God. But how can I show you that the faith that I have is the right faith? I show you that my faith is the right faith by the way that I live. Because works are a natural byproduct of what God says he's going to do in your life. He's going to make you right. The Holy Spirit will come in you. And the fruit of the Spirit, the result of the Spirit's presence in your life Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the ways to demonstrate that the Spirit is in you. The Spirit is in me. And so that is not the same as is those things that is what saved me. It is those things that show other people that the faith that I have is a saving type of faith. There are all sorts of people out there saying they have faith and nothing in their life has changed. And it is okay to be somewhat suspicious of that. You shouldn't necessarily get all up in their face. And we can talk about that a different day. And we, I think we have on this podcast a long, long time ago. We talked about, you know, what judge not means. But a faith that does not change someone's life may not be genuine faith. Whether or not it's up to you to decide whether or not it's genuine faith, that's a different topic. When the answer to that is no. But a genuine faith will be shown to be right by works. And I, and I think that that is absolutely critical to understand the difference. You may think I'm uh, threading a needle here or walking on the edge of the knife, but I'm telling you, this is of incredible theological and personal importance. I am wrong with God because of sin, and I am made right only by my trust in God. Now, from a third-person observer, that person says they trust God. How can I know? Well, I will know that by if they are living in such a way that demonstrates it. That's how my faith can be shown to be right, which again is what Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, for you are the handiwork created to do the good works. It is going to be the result of your salvation. So now we can get into all sorts of interesting questions like, well, how many works do you have to show? And what if somebody was a good person for a while and then they then they fall away. Now they're not a good person anymore. This is not about losing your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation 
based on what you do or don't do. Whether or not you made a genuine profession of faith and you genuinely trust God will be shown by your works. But this is just two different things. You put your faith genuinely into Jesus Christ, and he says you are his forever, period. End of, end of discussion. And after that, yeah, no, 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 no questions need to be asked past that. Um, but it is, it is also true that a genuine faith decision, a genuine life change will be demonstrated by work. And so you got to figure out, like, so, so we, we got to put those two things together. Well, how does, how does that look in my life? Well, it's like, well, I need, I need to consider it important. It's important. It's important for me to do good works. It's important for me to do good works. The God of the universe asked me to do it. That's enough. I should do it. It is not doing that that got me into all the trouble both with God and with myself and with this world. That it's, it's sin that got me in the trouble in the first place. I don't want to keep doing that. And I want to show the world what real faith with God can look like. There's lots of great reasons to do it. We doesn't just have to be, do I have to do them to stay saved? There's lots of great reasons. Keep doing it. But it is also of incredible, crucial importance that you recognize that your position in God's family is absolutely secure. Because it, I believe this 100%, that it is the more that I recognize that my position with God in God's family is 100% secure. The more that I trust that, the more at peace that I'll be in, the more connected I'll be to the love of God, and the more the fruit of the Spirit will flow out of me. And so the more I recognize that salvation is free and God loves me unconditionally, the more likely I am to do the good works. And the more that I'm doing the good works, the more I'm able to trust in the love that God has for me, the more that I'm able to do the good works. But if you get into that other cycle, maybe God's love is, is conditional. I got to do the good things and I'm trying to do it. And I'm trying to earn God's favor and I can't earn God's favor. That's what the whole point is. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross because you can't earn God's favor. The more I try to earn God's favor, the more I'll fall short. The more I'll believe that my relationship with God is unconditional, the more I fall short, the more I start to believe that, that it's not unconditional and I spiral down. You can spiral one way or the other. I trust in the unconditional gift of God and watch the Spirit do incredible things through me, which feeds my faith, which feeds my work. Or I can be nervous about my standing with God, which makes me feel anxious, which makes me feel like I'm trying to earn something I can't earn. I fail and the cycle goes the other direction. So it's really important for us to kind of understand kind of these two uses of the word faith, the two uses of the word justify, and to really kind of understand the full picture of how our faith and works go together. So I hope this has been somewhat helpful. I mean, obviously there are, there are entire books, volumes that are written on this topic and to try to cover it in 25 minutes is kind of a challenge, but I hope it's at least kind of a good starting point for you to maybe to kind of rewrite some bad theology that you might have in your brain. And thanks so much for joining us. We're going to keep this going next week. We're going to talk a little bit about what the Bible says about free will and predestination and to try to put, make some sense of something that, that can be controversial but doesn't need to be. So I encourage you to join us. And we'd love to see you on a Sunday. I mean, if you're around Northwest Arkansas, you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect. You can find us there. And we'd love to know that you're visiting and, and we'd love to help you, serve you any way that we can. And if you're not from around here, we'd still love to connect with you. You go to that same page. Uh, fill out the form. Just let us know any way that we can be praying for you. We'd love to see you on a Sunday, either uh, live in the room or you can. we're streaming our 1030 service every week. You can join us there. Um, again, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day.